welcome to Finish Well Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing your home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Curtis, and this is episode 193. Backyard Ancient Greek Olympics. Yes, we are going to talk about how to have the Greek Olympics in your backyard. The ancient ones, of course. And I think you'll really enjoy this. I want to start out by saying that I believe that learning is fun. And I always try to think of ways to add the fun to learning, not to negate the reading out loud, because I think it's all fun. I think it's fun to read books. I think it's fun to write papers. And I think it's fun to throw a party. And we talked about having our own luau a couple weeks ago. And now we're talking about how to have a backyard Olympic Games. And honestly, this is something that I wasn't super gun-ho at first about the first time we did it because we actually had a girl in our group that had some uh, long-term muscular problems, and I was very concerned with how the whole thing would go. So I just hope she was in a wheelchair and... But it it ended up being really, really cool. And I'm going to get to share with you just some adaptations you can make for physical needs and special needs as we go. So if you, you know, have special needs kids, hang in there. You know, we'll be talking about some of that. But also, I just I wanted to say that the ancient times are really fascinating because in many, many ways, they are just like us. People fell in love and got married and had families and they learned and were educated and they worshiped. Sometimes they worship the true God and sometimes they worship false idol gods. But there's there's a similarity throughout history. However, ancient Greeks started the Olympics and it's very unique to them. The ancient Greeks were a very unique people. And one of the things is that the ancient Greeks were fiercely independent. They, they weren't a big empire like the Romans. The, they were actually many, many small city states and they were always squabbling with one another, always. So one of the things that was really unique about the Olympics was that they put aside their differences and they came together and competed in physical games, not games like a board game, but games like a football game or a soccer game. Before I talk to you about the Olympics, let me just share a little bit about how it got started and some of the ancient Greek city-states and stuff. So the Olympic Games started in ancient Greece to honor their false god Zeus in 776 BC. Now that was about almost 800 years before Jesus was born. But what's interesting is though, even though they were always squabbling, they did all worship the Greek idol gods. And so that was something that kind of held them together. So they had these Olympic Games to honor their idol gods and they were held in Olympia. Um, so they were held every four years and Olympia was not a city. It wasn't the Greek cities. The Greek cities 
Well, let me mention them really quickly before we talk about that. So there were many Greek city-states, and some of them were Athens and Sparta, which we're pretty familiar with. Everyone's usually heard of Athens. Everyone's usually heard of Sparta. But here's some other ones. Argos, Ionia, that would be Ephesus. You know, when you read your Bible and it talks about Ephesus, Croton, Ithaca, Ellis, Argos, Rhodes, Marathon. Think we, I live in Florida, we have Marathon Key, Thessaly, Thessalonica, you know, when you read to the Thessalonians, Thessalonians in your Bible, Crete, Smyrna, we have a beach near us called New Smyrna Beach, and Smyrna was a town, there was a church in Smyrna, and you can read about that in Revelation, but of course, it was a Greek city-state. And there was Corinth, and we've all read the Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthians, Ellis, Pisa, Macedon, and Thebes. So that was, that's just a few of the Greek city-states. They were each their own country. They weren't united. There wasn't a big country of Greece. It was each of those were little countries, but they were united by their language and their culture, some of the foods they liked, and their worship of these idol gods. So anyway, back to Olympia. Olympia was not a city. It was basically like a huge amusement park. If you think of SeaWorld or Disney World or um, Universal Studios, then that would kind of give you a picture of what it was like. It wasn't that people necessarily lived there, but they had a stadium, a gymnasium, a hippodrome, temples, theaters, and this huge statue of Zeus. So this statue of Zeus was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And so people would basically like come there for their vacations, sort of like, you know, we would go to an amusement park for our vacation and they would, you know, they would worship, they would go um, see plays and all kinds of things. So it, it was a big fun place to be. And this is where they held the Greek Olympic games. Um, and what was interesting is that, of course, there was no fighting allowed during this time. So you knew that at least every four years you would stop fighting. And this was called the Olympic truce. And it meant that no one could fight during the games. And they didn't have to worry about invasion or attack unless, I mean, it was like a whole nother culture coming. That would be very unusual. And they would probably have plenty of warning. So. Athletes, Greek athletes competed against one another in a bunch of different Olympic games. And I'm actually going to walk you through exactly what happened each day. But first, let me tell you about the different games. So the first one was called a stayed foot race. And a stayed was a measurement. It'd be the length of a stadium. So think of a football stadium. That was a stayed. And then another was a dialus foot race, which meant they ran across the field and came back. There also was the discus throw, and they whoever threw it the furthest was the winner. They had a jumping event, very similar to what we know as broad jump, but with with a twist, okay? So not like our broad jump. They had to attach weights to their arms with leather straps. So can you even imagine And the jumpers had to land with their feet together and no arms or hands could touch the ground. So that's pretty hard, right? And then there was a hoplite race and that was a running race. But here's the catch. 
they ran with armor on. Now, are you getting a picture of all this happening in your backyard? Don't worry, we're going to change up the games a little bit. And the number one thing with our games, well, the second thing, because the number one thing was instead of dedicating our games to idol gods like Zeus, we dedicated our games to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Greeks did not wear clothes when they competed. We, however, wear clothes when we have our ancient Greek Olympics in the backyard, and we definitely, definitely encourage you to wear clothes as well. So the next thing was the boxing and wrestling. And this is just very similar to our boxing and wrestling um, of today with a twist. Okay, there's always a twist with the ancient Greeks. The, The boxing matches and wrestling matches lasted until someone surrendered or someone died. Now, they don't do that today, even though sometimes you kind of wonder, you know, what's going on there. But that's pretty scary. The javelin throw was a spear throwing competition. So see how far you could throw the spear. And then the um, pentathlon was a five event competition. They would wrestle. They would have a stayed foot race, a long jump, a javelin throw and a discus throw. So that is pretty amazing feat to win those games because not only were you naked, which to me would be super embarrassing, but they were really hard races. So the winner of each event received an olive branch or a laurel wreath. And when they got home though, to their city state, to their country, they often got a lot of money because they made their country look good and people would write songs about them. They would have statues. If you ever wonder, well, why are the Greek statues? The the men are so muscular and athletic and well, you know, they were usually of people like Olympic winners. So that would make sense, right? So now let me tell you about the itinerary of the games because They had a specific thing that they did every year. There, It was a five-day event. And remember, they had this Olympic peace troupe, so truce, so people would come. The first day, they would all go and take an oath, um, dedicating themselves to Zeus and to be fair and to be – they would offer sacrifices. And the only competition on the first day was for boys. Boys competed in running races, boxing matches, and wrestling matches. And I am assuming that the boys had to compete until someone surrendered or died. That's so horrible. And day two, there would be a big procession. Like when you think of the Olympics, you think of a big procession. They would have horses, riders, and chariots. They would ride into the Hippodrome, and they would start out with this big parade, And then in the afternoon, so that that parade was in the morning, then in the afternoon, the athletes competed in running, wrestling, long jump, discus, and javelin. So that was quite a lot of different events. The athlete who won, the first one who won three events, any three of those events, was declared the winner and he got his laurel wreath crown. On the third day, there was another big parade or procession, and that ended at the Temple of Zeus, and everyone started offering sacrifices. And then in the afternoon, they competed in long races and sprints. In the evening, there was a huge feast. So 
I mean, you can imagine how hungry these guys were competing in all this. On day four, it was boxing and wrestling almost all day. And then it ended with the hoplite race. And remember, I told you the hoplite race was when they put the armor on and they ran. The final day celebrated the victors, but there was another big parade or procession. And they ended up, of course, going to the Temple of Zeus and offering sacrifices. And then a young boy was chosen to cut an olive branch and offer it to Zeus. And then what they would do is they would weave all the that all the olive leaves would be woven into wreaths and then the winners would be finally crowned. So they saved the crowning till the end, even though we everyone knew who the winners already were. So that kind of gives you an idea. If you went back in time, then that would be the way that you would celebrate the Olympic Games. Now, what um the reason the reason that I enjoy doing ancient and Olympic games in our backyard for history is because it really is a fun way to introduce the kids to a lot of things about the Greeks, a lot of Greek history. Number one, that the Greeks were not an empire. The Greeks were different independent countries that shared a culture and that came together every four years for these Olympic games. And, you know, it was their way of having some sort of peace that would at least arrive every four years so they could compete and see who is the best. So I think that's kind of ironic, but um, so that has carried on and the Olympic games were revived in the early 1900s or the, the late 1800s. And then for the winter games, the early 1900s. And that has been really exciting for people. And there's that same idea of nations peacefully coming together to compete um, in different sports. So it's something I think that's very attractive to people. And so most of our children have seen the Olympics sometime. They've at least seen a few events. And we can say, this is how it started. The Greeks are the ones who gave us the Olympic Games. And they also gave us democracy. And democracy is that fierce independent spirit where everybody has a say in the government. Now, we have a republic um, where we elect people who will represent us. But the Greeks, the citizens, the Greek citizens, not the slaves, not the women, but the Greek citizens, the men, would get together and they would vote on what they wanted to do. And the majority ruled. So that was democracy. It comes from the Greeks. And those are just some things that when we think about the Greeks and we think about their culture, then it's something that we can look back on and, you know, think, hey, that's that's very interesting. Like. We don't like the worship of idol gods, but it does explain a lot of the sin and things like that that they struggled with. So anyway, getting back to bringing it home is that kids love to move. They love to be active. They love to play games, have races. And so this is a really fun way to end a study on the Greeks or, you know, if you're reading your chapter this month is on the Greeks and it's a great way to um, have a little fun. I call them history labs when we do different things like crafts 
or drama or parties or, you know, competitions. I call that history labs because we have science labs. Why can't we have history labs? So that is how this all got started. We just thought, what can we do that's fun with the Greeks? We can make baklava, which honestly is a little tricky to make, but, and delicious. We can have gyros, you know, we can do things like that, but we want to do something really active. And so we decided the first time we had our own Olympic Games, we actually went to a nearby park and we had each of the, um, we divided the kids into teams. We did this with our homeschool co-op. We divided them into teams and each team wore a sash around themselves that was a different color. So the teams all had the same color and that was pretty easy. And like I said, you know, we had some challenges. We had some really athletic, comp- competitive boys. And then we had this sweet little girl in a wheelchair. So we had to adopt the games to make them really simple and easy to play. So we did very easy games. We did have a running race that our friend did not participate in, but we did the luge. That's kind of taking off of the, you know, um, modern Olympics. But what we did is we brought an old blanket and the kids chose one person on the team to go in the blanket and everyone else just whisked them down the hill um, on the blanket. And whoever went down the fastest, we did it one at a time to be safe and we timed it and whoever had the best time won. So she got to be the girl in the blanket and that was really fun. And we did a lot of other simple things. Um, some things that you could do from a wheelchair. For instance, our javelin throw was pool noodles and we would throw them and as far and you can throw from a wheelchair just as easy as you can throw from um, standing up from running and, and taking that stand. So there were things we ended up not doing a broad jump, but but we had a lot of fun and we did a game that was similar to horseshoes. And the kids really laughed a lot. The parents took lots of pictures and it was really a, a nice day. It was a nice day to look back on and remember. And um, so the Greeks, of course, you know, took the games to a whole new level. They were incredibly competitive, incredibly athletic, and they really valued physical fitness and power and strength muscles. But we dedicated, we opened in prayer, we dedicated our games to the Lord, and we also let the kids be really, you know, kind to each other and celebrate each win. Now, one of the things that we did, we we did hillbilly horseshoes. I don't know if you've heard of that, but I'm, I'm not going to go into it. You can just Google it, hillbilly horseshoes. Okay, so then... Several years later, we were studying ancient history again, and we decided to have another ancient Greek Olympics. And of course, I did all these with my friend, Laura Novet, who sometimes is with me on the show, but always taking care of the back end of everything with the podcast. So you see her work, even if you don't hear her all the time. But anyway, in um, our second one, we invited our whole church. Now, our church is small, but we had at least like 70 to 75 people there. It was very large. And so we decided that we had to have people sign up 
and then we chose teams. Then every team chose a color of t-shirt to wear. So my team was our family with another family and we wore pink t-shirts. Now, Laura had a field next to her house. So we had the Olympic games in that field and we set up the field for our special events. So we used little sports cones that we got at um, the sports store and we painted, we used neon paint to paint outlines of things like for the running race. And that of course would be, would be gone within a couple of mows of the grass. And we bought pool, no- pool noodles. We love the javelin throw with the pool noodles, noodles. So we did it again. And then we used like little irrigation flags to outline the running course, the long run course. We also got some wood timber and we did an, a unique kind of wrestling game that I'll explain to you. And then we used frisbees for the discus throw. So that is what that that's kind of the things that we needed to set everything up. So the first thing we did is we had two different running races, a shorter one and a longer one. So that's pretty simple. I mean, everyone knows, okay, on your markets at go, you run whoever wins is, you know, whoever gets their first is the winner, then second place and third place. But then we came up with something very fun and that's called landscape timber balance wrestling. So what we did is we had a piece of timber and two people would stand on the piece of timber and you could have, you had to always have one foot on the timber. So then you would try to push the other person off. And what was nice about this is that you could literally like older women, girls and guys, they could all do it at the same time because it really had to do mostly with balance. And so just basically trying to stay on there and not get knocked off. So that was really fun. And I think that was a hit. It was really funny to watch. And then the long jump, we basically just, you know, used a measuring tape to see how far people jumped. But those were the events that we did. And we encouraged everyone to warm up before we started. We did some stretches together. And the teams, this is what I thought was really cool. We named the teams after the, after real Greek city states. So we hadn't thought to do that with the first one, but with the second one, we named them Sparta, Ithaca, um, and Corinth and Athens. So it was really fun because so you each had, um, a city state name. And then we tried to spread athletic prowess across the board so that one team wasn't like heavy on the athletic skill. So it worked out pretty well, either having a family or combining families because, you know, the older guys in the family and some of the older girls were usually really athletic. And so we had, um, we had a really good time with it. We kept things very organized. We had a schedule for the day and we followed the schedule and that really um, helped. So everyone knew what was happening and, you know, there would be loud announcements about what was coming next. And we, we did not do wreaths. We didn't do, uh, we, we were going to, we were going to buy leaf wreaths at a store, but we didn't get them in time. So as our prizes 
we gave um, donuts. We gave donuts as the prizes and the team got to share a big box of donuts. So that was that was what we did. And we had a lot of fun doing it. And so many people had fun, like people brought their toddlers and we just it ended up being this huge, fun church event. And yet it was a learning educational experience. And people who weren't in the homeschool co-op asked a lot of questions. So what would you do if you want to have your own? How would you go about planning it? Well, the first thing you would do is you would decide how big do you want it? Do you want it in your backyard? Do you want to have it at a park? And what kind of events do you want to have? So you kind of want to have that in your mind as you start. Have a sort of a picture of what you want it to be. If it's in your backyard, you can have a lot of fun. You might have to have a 50-yard dash or a 100-yard dash rather than a quarter of a mile run. So the first thing you need to do is plan your teams. Who will be on what team? You might just have your family do it, and then everyone would be their own competitor. And if you're going to have teams, you need to either create sashes or shirts to differentiate each team from the other one. And then choose a place to have it. So where are you going to have it? Are you going to have it in the backyard? Are you going to have it at a park? Where is a place that would be big enough and fun? You always, of course, when you have kids, you always need to be close somehow to a restroom and have plenty, plenty, plenty of water. We filled up several coolers with water bottles and they were almost all gone. Then plan the opening ceremony. So that's always fun. The athletes can parade in. The teams can parade in all together. And, of course, you want to open in prayer and dedicate it to the Lord. You can go either way with your Olympics. You can go serious or you can go silly or you can go a combination of both. We did kind of a combination of both. And it was really fun. So you could do paper airplane blowing, and that could be one of your events. Or you could do serious races. You could add some more modern races like the baton relay race. You could have wrestling, like real wrestling. We did the silly kind of wrestling on a balance beam. You could have an archery contest, a bicycle race, a long jump. So you you could do a lot of things that are serious and really fun. And if you have a really athletic family or really athletic group, that would be a really fun way to go. You could also do silly things like you can use pool noodles as javelins. That's what we did. I mean, no one can really throw that thing too, too far. You could have chariot races. Do you remember the old fashioned wheelbarrow races? At Sunday school picnics, they make a great substitute for chariot races. You can use frisbees instead of discuses, and you can have three-legged races and tug of war and hula hooping and an obstacle course and a beanbag toss. All of those are fun, silly possibilities. They don't require a lot of athletic ability. And a lot of those things you can, you can do a beanbag toss from a wheelchair. Um, and then you could do group games. So, One of the things that they have in the Olympics is group games, especially if you have your um, color T-shirt. You could do soccer. You could have a soccer tournament or a basketball tournament or a field hockey tournament or a football tournament. And then finally, the last thing, I live in Florida, so 
You know, it is not unusual for us to have uh, things in the pool. So you could actually do Olympic games in the pool and that would be really fun. So if you decide you're going to have you, the planning is the bulk of everything, getting all your supplies together. And then the day of the event, I like to have a setup team and a takedown team because you don't, especially if it's going to be a little bit bigger, um, if it's just your family, everyone helps set up, everyone helps take down. But if it's other people involved, then you want to make sure that you kind of spread the love around and you get people, the people who always run late, they're great for tearing down. But the people who always run late are not great at helping set up. So though that's, that's basically, it's really a fun thing to do. And if you weave in some of the Greek names, if you weave in talking about some of the things that happen, letting them apply things, they can even choose Greek names. You could serve Greek food afterwards. But this was a really special time for us. We really had a good time and it made a special memory. And I believe the kids remember things about the Greek city states or countries in a way that they wouldn't have if we hadn't done this. Best of all, we made a memory, a homeschool memory, and those are so precious and they will last long after we're in heaven with the Lord. So I hope you'll try out some backyard ancient Olympic games yourself. And if you do, please let me know how they go. I'd love to see pictures. God bless you. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.